together. We want to welcome everyone to our Sunday morning service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. Thank you for being here and we're especially thankful for those that will be uh, viewing our service online either live or later today. We come together this morning to worship the Lord Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the many blessings that you bestow upon us every day. And Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to come together today to worship you. Be with us through our service today and help us to turn our minds to the important things of life. And Father, we are so thankful that you are the one that's in control of this universe and that you control all of the things around us. And we pray that you'll give us the faith to, to be the kind of person that you would want us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please take the Friendship Register from the uh, pew in the, uh, and pass it down the aisle so that we can have a record of everyone's attendance. Thank you. Morning. First song this morning will be Living Hope. <clears throat> How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the
please. Father in heaven, today we come to thee so very thankful for all the blessings that you've bestowed on us, Father. The blessings that are so numerous that we can't even remember them all to bless you for, to thank you for. Father, thank you for this country that we're allowed to live in a place that we have freedom to come and worship you. Thank you for this community that there's lots of God-fearing people living in the community and that we're free to worship you in such a way as your Bible tells us to. Father, thank you for blessing this country through all the wars, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Pearl Harbor, and most recently 9-11, Father, that we're able to come through these terrible times at the loss of so many lives, but yet through your blessings that we still have a place that we can call a place that we have freedom. Father, thank you for this congregation, for this community, but most certainly, Father, we thank you for our deacons and our elders that, that lead us. And Father, bless them in such a way that they might continue to lead us in a way that we will grow spiritually, that we will grow in numbers, and that through us, that in our small local community, that we might spread the word of God, that so hopefully that this country will grow in your word and that we can remain somewhat a faithful nation and people will turn their lives and their hearts back around to you and that you will continue to bless this nation as your country, people that love you. Father, we ask you for blessings on the sick of this number, those that are listed in our sick list, those of our families, Father, bless the bereaved, the ones that have lost loved ones. Father, help them to get through this time in such a way and never turn away from you. But thank you for all the blessings that they have been able to enjoy. Father, but most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, lived as one of us, but yet lived that sinless life that through his perfection, and his death and his resurrection that we might have the hope of eternal life. We ask all of these blessings in his name, Jesus' name, amen. Imitation song after the lesson this morning will be My Only Hope Is You. The song before the lesson is going to be Paradise Valley. If you would, if you're willing and able, would you please stand as we sing this song together.
Today's scripture reading will come from John 14, verse 27. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be in trouble, neither let it be afraid. Good morning, everyone. Well, I have a host of things I want to begin with today. Oh, it's a whole packet of stuff. Well, right off the bat, thank you to those who organized and carried through on this men's breakfast. How many of you men were there this morning? Okay, put your eyes on them for fear that they got too many carbs if they start Dozing off, just give him that old nudge, you know, and keep your eye especially on Drew because he's already threatened to go to sleep. Most of these guys smell a lot like bacon and other such things as that, but we had a wonderful time together. Really, really appreciate Jody uh, and his work in that and appreciate the foresight in that. And we also appreciate Aaron's work in that. It's great to have men who will just kind of take things, have the initiative, and you build it, we'll come. Especially if you build a tower of bacon like that was, we will come get that thing. Okay, here are some matters that were handed to me. I'm just going to start with one that is so full of rejoicing. Once I say this, you may not hear the rest, but I'll just put it out there. This is congratulations to Ella and Rory Brumley on the birth of their baby brother. He remains in the NICU at this time, but his big sisters are looking forward to welcoming him home sometime this week. Now, let that digest in your brain for just a moment. He's coming home to them this week. Oh, that means the Brumleys are now going to have three little ones running around. And here's what... Um, She said about that, well, who needs nine months to get ready for a baby, right? (laughs) When you get the chance today after services, would you just go hug this precious family? I think that they are all stars among us. They're willing to take in and to raise children to God's glory. And isn't that a triumph? So please, just love on them today. So that's that. And if you can continue to pay attention, I want to share a couple of other things. One is, on Wednesday night, I introduced to you Treva Brown. She contacted me Wednesday afternoon and was telling me that she tunes in to all of our services, that she's homebound, unable to attend our services, but was wondering if it would be okay for her to identify with us. Well, you know what I said? Well, forget that. Blah. No. I said, wow, that is, that's unusual. Uh, but, you know, there circ- her circumstances are such that she can't get out. But she still wants to be identified with us. She loves what she participates in with our worship. She loves the activity of this church and just wants to be a part of it. So the Estes uh, made a visit with her this week. And I just want you to know that uh, we're going to identify her with this congregation. And Lord willing, someday when she's able, 
perhaps she'll be able to come and visit with us. We do have her address if you'd like to send her a card or if you would call ahead and give her time, I'm sure she would even welcome a visit. I also want to remind you of two programs that we have ongoing. One is the Panama Missions Christmas Joy. I believe that the packets are due on Wednesday, which means you can still pick one up tonight or today and get that thing filled and bring it out back by Wednesday. And that will help a child in a far off place. That would be a blessing. We also have our SOS bags, Save One Soul. There are some of those that have been prepared, ready for you to take and distribute to your friends or however you want to do it. I've seen Marilyn just grab one, take it, and hand it to a random person. That's great, isn't it? Speaking of which, also at that table are these, they look like business cards, okay? On one side of that business card is information about the congregation here even has our website and they can send email if they want to. On the other side is God's plan of salvation. There are stacks and sacks of these cards over there. Now, Ken, what do I need to know that for? Here's what we'd like you do, to do. You know how it was you took those SOS bags you probably began a conversation with your friend in order to hand it to them. Even if it was, as Marilyn sometimes does, a perfect stranger, you still took the time kind of to greet them, introduce yourself, and maybe explain what the packet was all about. This business card right here, you can carry a stack of these with you. Let's say you go to the restaurant today. You wouldn't even have to say not one word to anybody. Just leave that card laying right there on that table before you leave. And then when they pick that thing up, one side of that has God's plan of salvation. Well, I don't know about you. If I saw something like that, I'd probably at least stop and read it. This, this is about as much non-contact evangelism as I know of. Now, couldn't each one of us grab up 10 of those or 20 of those and just lay them somewhere. You could lay them at the restaurant. Uh, when you go to the bank, you could leave it laying on the counter there. Uh, you, you go to school, you can leave one on the desk or in your seat, uh, wherever you are waiting at the doctor's office. You could just stick this plan of salvation in a magazine or in just laying on the table and who knows Someone may pick this up and that will make all the difference. Could we do that today? Just grab gobs of them. There are plenty, I think 2,000 of them. So let's get rid of those 2,000 and we'll print up some more, okay? We will, we love it. This is so easy, Ken. It is, it is. Now that does not suggest if you could have had that conversation, you shouldn't have it now. No, do, please. But here is as simple a thing as you could possibly do to get the word out. And then finally, this is a note from Martha Eaton. The other day, I helped Harold put the bed away and get rid of the wheelchair. Is that progress? You better believe it is. Dear church, words cannot express my appreciation 
for all the wonderful things you did for me while I could not be here with you. The food, visits, so many cards, letters, phone calls, but most of all, your prayers. I want you to hear this this part right here. God has answered your prayers. Doesn't that make you feel good? You prayed about this. Martha says he's answered the prayers. I didn't think I would make it and neither did the doctor, but by the grace of God and your prayers, I'm back on my feet. I have a long way to go, so please continue to pray for me. It's great to be back in church. Thank you so much, Martha. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This morning, I want to speak with you about peace. Before we start that, let's pray to God together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing and the privilege to assemble here. Here in just a few seconds, we heard of so many great things, so many potential avenues. We heard about the joy of a child coming into a loving family. We heard about the opportunities of helping others or spreading your gospel. We, we heard about you answering our prayers. And in all these things, we, we just rejoice, Father. We feel so blessed to have this relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that as your children, we will trust you now more than we ever have. I thank you for your word. And today, I'm especially thankful for what Jesus had to say in this text. The promise that he would leave his peace, that he would give it to us. Not not like the world gives, but something very special so that our hearts wouldn't be troubled and that we would not be afraid. Lord, help us to take these words to heart and to be able to enjoy this peace that Jesus promised us. I know and you know, the only thing that stands between us and that peace is us. We've really got to trust you more. Lord, I do pray you'll forgive us when we're distracted like Peter was in the storm, but that we will grab hold to you and that you will pull us to safety, that we'll have greater confidence in you moving forward than we ever have had in the past. Lord, please help me to share these thoughts in an understandable way with your children here today. And I pray, Lord, that they will hear it and that it will fortify their faith. Thank you for the blessing that will be the result. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you've heard it all already. And that is, you know, it's 9-11. For those of us who were around in 2001, we have 
an indelible image on our minds. Wherever we were, we saw the attacks on those towers in New York. The first was a news story, like as though it had been an accident. But as we're watching the news about that astounding accident, and we actually see the second airliner hit the second tower, I, I can still feel the rush that came over me. The uncertainty. And can I say it? Would it be right to say the fear? The unknown. What's going to happen? Of course, all of that is now history. And some 21 years later, we still feel the response to that event. Our lives have not been the same. For those of you who came along after, perhaps you don't have the memory of that event, but you're living in a world that has been molded and fashioned in response to what happened on that day. I, I want peace. Don't you? I, I see the way that the world is today. I see nations at war. I see nations that have despots in positions of authority who abuse certain sectors of their nation. How much I would love to just see peace. I would like to see peace in our nation. Just seems like this country has changed so much. When I was a child, the dissection between political parties was seemingly minuscule. We joked about how it really didn't seem to make any difference. But today, today there are so many divergent thoughts. So many people passionate for ideas that at one time were unconscionable. Now today people act on without thought. And the abuse that people on either side of an aisle who believe they are patriotic extend toward one another. It's just, it's hard to imagine. We see cities on fire. We see businesses looted because of decisions that are made politically. We see morality today, a base of morality that is far removed from what our parents and our grandparents experienced in their time. And there is rarely any peace. Pe people cannot join a conversation without either belittling one another or threatening one another. How did, 
How did our nation get to the place where there was so much hatred? I want peace in our families. Families today are torn apart by alcoholism, drug addiction, and just a a sense of hopelessness. The frustration of adult now being taken out on their child. Children who sit in classrooms inattentive because maybe they didn't have a meal. Or they're experiencing trauma at home. They don't want to go home. Paul, I wish we had peace in our families. I wish we had peace among friends. I know that this is a time in which I guess many relish the idea of having social media, of having an outlet by which even the least known among us can have their moment in the sun, but this thing has really gotten out of hand to the extent that someone will say something even about a dear friend and just in a millisecond, that information can ruin a friendship that had been in existence for a lifetime. And just the way we speak to one another anymore. Maybe it's society rubbing off on us. I don't know. How about this? I hope this isn't too telling. I would just enjoy a little peace in my own head, you know? With all this other stuff happening around us. How can we not be, at least in some small way, influenced by it? It affects how we judge things anymore, the decisions we make about morality. It affects, it affects how we treat one another, perhaps not as quick to heal, but very quick to assault one another. I just... I just wish we had more peace. If we were talking about biblical peace, all those other things that I just mentioned really would be ineffective because biblical peace, well, really, that peace that you and I are truly aspiring to have, it is not affected by what is on the outside of us. In other words, society will have no effect on this peace. The loss of morality, the the confusion that there seems to be about how to treat people these days, none of that has an effect when we think about the peace that the Bible speaks of. And I'll give you an example of that. It comes from Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. Paul and Silas have been assaulted. They have been verbally abused. Morality has been thrown out the window as they have suffered these abuses. And yet they are held in an inner prison in stocks. But instead of being in despair or full of fear or feeling defeated, that text says that they were praying and singing hymns to God. 
And the prisoners were listening to them. I imagine that they were, don't you? Those prisoners didn't have what Paul and Silas had. Those prisoners, no doubt, in that region of the prison, they had experienced much of the same kind of abuses. If we had interviewed them, they would have had nothing good to say about anybody or anything. So sure, it would be quiet where they were. And as they listen, what do they hear? They hear two men unaffected, but truly at peace in the midst of a very tumultuous, hurtful situation, praying and singing hymns. Two men whose thoughts are not on themselves and the destitute situation they find themselves in, but their thoughts are on God, praising God, lifting Him up. That, my friends, is what we're aspiring to. Whether it's an event from 21 years ago, whether it's the recent trauma that most of us perhaps went through and the fear associated with a virus or any of the stuff that's happened in between. All of those things are external factors. But in the midst of that, could you say that you are praying and singing hymns to God, that you are affecting those who are around you who are in a, a less favorable position? Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm just going to ask two questions today. The first is really the most simple of those questions. What exactly is peace? I mean, what, what are we talking about here? And I want to break it down into, well, just three different areas. I want to get very specific about the term itself. Then I want to talk about the reconciliation that peace represents for us, a reconciliation with God himself. And then I want to see the comfort that peace can bring us. First, I want to think about defining peace. The Old Testament used a word that you're probably familiar with. In fact, of all the Hebrew words, this is the one probably most people are familiar with, and that would be the word shalom. Now, the word shalom that's translated peace in the Old Testament scriptures actually had, wow, it had a wide concept. Sometimes it talked about the completeness of a thing. Sometimes it talked about safety and security. At other times, it might talk about a condition of quietness, tranquility, of being contented. Arene is the Greek word that's translated peace. <laughs> that word is not nearly as broad, or at least originally it was not that broad. Originally, it basically meant 
the opposite of war, of being free from a conflict. But an interesting thing happened right before Jesus came, and that was that some Hebrew and Greek scholars got together and decided that they were going to translate the Hebrew Bible into Greek. It's called the Septuagint translation, or in some literature, it'll just be identified as LXX 70. That was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And of course, you know that when they came to the word shalom, that had to be translated into Greek. So they translated that word that had so much meaning into a word that had very little meaning, or at least a very, very specific meaning, Irene. Well, you know how language goes. Once that had been translated and actually used among Greek Hebrews, then that word's meaning expanded. And so, in fact, became much larger than either of the two words had been all by themselves. So now, not only did it describe a sense of being free from conflict, but it also talked about the completeness of feeling that's experienced when that conflict is gone and of the derivative of conflict being gone, a sense of safety and security. And now that I am safe and secure, I have a sense of quietness. I have tranquility in my life. I have contentment. I am at peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 reminds us that God is not the God of confusion. He is the God of peace. That God of peace, the sense of peace there wasn't just about not being of conflict, but again, of having the wholeness, the broad sense of a word whose meaning had changed over the course of one century. Jesus provided peace between the Jew and the Gentile. You can read about that in Ephesians 2, 14, 15, 16. That came as a result of the gospel message. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. One as a result of having been baptized into Christ, he says, you put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. The idea of peace there is taken a step further. Not only are we not at war, not only are we not divided against each other or allowing bygones to be bygones, allowing the existence of the one or the other, but we have truly become, in this peace, one. People that have, well, here's another concept, people who have become reconciled to each other, become reconciled to each other as a result of having been reconciled to God. Peace as a result of reconciliation with God. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. 
in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. To be a peacemaker doesn't mean that I'm just striving to be peaceful. But it is the idea of those who are in the kingdom are going to be those who are striving to make peace. And that is the peace that was to exist between God, separated from man because of sin, and the eradication of that sin, which would come through the sacrifice of Jesus and bringing together those two who had been separated. God being reconciled to his children. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled as a result of that peace. And Jesus brings to us a promise about that peace. That promise having come from the very beginning. In Luke chapter 2 verse 14, as the angels triumphantly sang about the coming Christ, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So Jesus is the means of this being reconciled to God or being brought together back with God. The ultimate sacrifice of Jesus to create peace between the Father alienated from man because of his sin and a desire to be together with his children again. You and I, we experience in our relationship a a peace that is supposed to be a, a comforting peace? What do we experience in times of trauma with our focus off of God? Fear? Uncertainty? And doubt? Jesus taught us something about his peace when he leveled with his disciples about his plans. Jesus had spent all this time teaching them about the kingdom of God, preparing them as witnesses to testify to his glory as the son of God. But now he was going to be leaving them. He needed to establish within them a sense of trust in God, and then extending that into a trust of him. What you've learned from me, you've experienced to know the Father, and so trust what I have to say. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, stop right there. It's really a, a question. You do believe in God, don't you? And the answer would have been wholeheartedly, yes, of course we do. We believe in God so much that we were first disciples of John and we were learning about the Messiah. And then when you came along, John told us that you were the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we trusted the testimony that John had. We left him behind and we followed you. And here we are right now. Of course, yeah, we trusted the Father, but... He's bringing that question to heart right now. You do believe in God, so believe in me too. Trust me that way. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know in the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, here, here is a truth that ought to establish some hope and certainly peace in us. There is no need to be troubled, Jesus says, because if you really have your trust in me, here, here are the facts. I'm leaving here, but I'm not leaving you orphans for long. I'm going away to prepare a place and I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to myself. If you want to go to the Father, I'm going to be the means through which you access him. In response to that, instead of fear, well, there ought to be courage. Instead of uncertainty, there ought to be absolute certainty in us, a concrete notion of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And instead of doubt, there ought to be immovable, mounting-moving faith. What, what is peace? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's shalom. It, it, is, it is all those com components that run together. What is it? Well, peace is, is that reconciliation with God, being brought together by the blood of Jesus. What is it? It, it, is, it is that comfort, that assurance that we can have in Jesus. So we know what peace is, but what I want to know is, how, how, do, how do I find it? You know, how, how can I be sure that I have this peace ruling dominant in my life when there's so many negative things flying around me? Well, for one thing, I will say this, that there are a lot of people wanting to have peace. You know, there's a secularized sense of that, and even Jesus identified that in the text, Right? He said, I'm, I'm going to leave you with my peace. I'm giving that to you. But it's not like what the world offers you. It is not something that is tentative, conditional. It isn't something that's going to be here one day and go away the next. It is something that once we achieve that and we trust in it, that God has an unlimited supply by which he might shower upon us. The only thing, as I mentioned in the prayer, that's going to stand between us and the peace that God offers is going to be us. It's not going to be the external factors. It's going to be me. Now, Paul talked about it in a very famous passage from the book of Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. He says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so 
What do I learn from that text? Well, first I ought to be on my knees praying to God. I'm praying in supplication, according to this text, and supplication is begging God. I I am not in this, you know, just kind of loosely or just kind of passively walking through my Christianity. I'm on my knees begging God. All, All these circumstances I am carrying to the Lord because I trust that he can handle this. I'm not capable, so I'm dependent on him. And within that flurry of supplication, I'm also offering up my thanks because I see God at work in all of it. So I'm on my knees, I'm praying. And then secondly, I am meditating upon the word of God. How is it that I'm going to be able to ascertain whether or not these things are even meaningful that are happening to me in the world? Do these things really matter? What do I need to put my focus on? How do I stay focused? He says, get yourself in the word of God. Meditate upon that. Listen to what God has to say. And then thirdly, once I have taken that and I have infused my being with it, I need to act on what I know. Fearlessly. Because God is with me. And then I would say a fourth component of that is... You know, when I get to that point, I ought to be able to just sit back and enjoy the peace that has come, which is beyond even my ability to understand or grasp it. I know that it exists. I know why it exists. But what in the world? There were two goats They were in the middle of a very long and narrow bridge over top deep water. The first goat said to the second, get back. The second goat said, no, you get back. The first goat continued with his verbal instruction. Back! The second goat, back! On and on it went, back, 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 back! Finally, one of the goats said, all right, that's it. You go back because I'm stronger than you are. Second goat said, I want to go back. You're not stronger than I. And so the first goat, to demonstrate his strength, put his head down to the the floor of the bridge and he showed his horns. Second goat said, wait, 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 wait. Let's not fight about this because if we get in a fight, both of us will end up in this river and we will drown. So the wise second goat laid his entire body down on the bridge and allowed the other goat to gently walk over top of him and both of them safely went to the other side. You and I can have a peace 
that is hard even to define or describe because Jesus laid down his life so that God and man could be reconciled together. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said in himself, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life so that we could get along with God, so that we can make it to the other side. In Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It takes a humble being to lay down for another. But Jesus did it willingly, even for the most reprobate sinner. Jesus died for you so that, so that you could experience peace. So you're a child of God, let's say. You know that God made this peace available to you through a very unpeaceful sort of act in that death of his son. Nevertheless, you obeyed the gospel. And remember that day, free from sin, a new creature, ready to go. Come up out of that water, ready to conquer the world. Save all my friends. But today, I mean today, are you at peace? Can you say that you've done what Paul said you should do? In, in fortifying this relationship, in staying good with God, you know, praying, we're laying it all at his feet and we're thankful for what he's done. And we're, we're meditating upon his word to find out exactly what he wants us to do. And then we go out and do it. And then at that great accomplishment of the task that the Lord has set before us, we just sit back and enjoy the peace that passes understanding. Can you sit there today and say, yes, Ken, I know what you mean. Or, or is it that we're not so prayerful? We're not so meditative. We're not so active. And as a result, we are not at peace. Are you today an alien sinner? You know, process is really the same if you aspire for peace. You need to have that contemplative heart too. Even Cornelius offered up prayers to God in his desire for salvation, and God saw to it that he heard the gospel. And have, have you ever thought, even though maybe you haven't obeyed the gospel, here you sit and you hear sermon after sermon and Bible class after Bible class about the gospel of Jesus Christ, God has given you every opportunity to rectify the situation in your life and you have not as yet obeyed the gospel. 
You meditate upon the Word of God. You could quote the very Scriptures, and yet you have not acted. Do you see how close you are to unlimited, optimal peace with God? Obey the Gospel today. Name that name that is so precious the truth of your belief that He's the Son of God. Turn away from your sin and repentance. Confess that faith before this number. Be buried in water and have your sins washed away. You will have a peace that is hard to describe. If you are a child of God today and you need peace restored, we can do that very first thing right here, right now. We can pray and supplicate before God and we can begin that process. If you are not a child of God and you want that peace, obey the gospel. If anybody needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand and sing together? My only hope is you, Jesus, my only for the Lord's Supper this morning will be follow me. I travel down a
anyone's in need of the emblems of the Lord's Supper, if you'd raise your hand, the ushers are prepared at this time to give them to you. Today being September 11th, memorials are going on all across our land and looking to commemorate these people and what they suffered and, and what they went through and the attacks on our great nation. And we look to them in sorrow and heavy hearts today and imagining the anguish and the horror that they went through and, and the sadness and devastation it brought upon this country. We look and think of those people, if, if they had known at that time of what was coming before it happened, how great the anguish would be and how sad and the waiting upon that. And We look at Christ and what he did for us and the, the entire time of him going to the cross. He knew what his end would be and he continued forward and, and he suffered that for us. And We look here at this time as a memorial that we observe for him and we look back on that and um, memorializing us, give our gratitude at this time and thankfulness for what he's done for us. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, Scripture says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is, not, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers in that one bread. Bow with me as we bless the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we have to come together. We're ever so thankful to be able to approach thy throne of grace, Lord. We, we look to thee in grateful hearts, and we're ever so thankful for that sacrifice that was given for us, Lord. We pray that we'll partake of this bread, and pray, Lord, we'll do it in a manner pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In like manner, let's bless the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, in like manner, this cup, the fruit of the vine, Lord, we partake of it as it represents thy blood and that great purchasing blood that cleanses us all. We're ever so thankful and mindful. We pray, Lord, we'll partake of it in a manner pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have opportunity in many different avenues this morning to give um, of our means that we've prospered and give back to the Lord. And let's pray and give thanks of how he's blessed us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for all that we've been given. Lord, pray that we'll be good stewards of what's been entrusted with us. Lord, we pray we'll continue to look to use the things that we have to thy glory to bless others. Lord, we pray when we have opportunity to good, do good that we will. Lord, we ask thee to search our hearts, Lord, and, and give to thee. Lord, pray that, that we'll do it grateful and with a cheerful heart. Lord, we ask thee to forgive us of our shortcomings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. We had 295 this morning in Sunday school and Sunday morning worship. Announcements on the back of the pew in front of you, the bulletin, read those announcements. Uh, we thank Randy Moore for the flag flying in front of our building this morning. The flag has been lowered to half staff in memory of those who lost their lives on 9-11. Funeral services for Ms. Frances Brinkley is Tuesday, September 13th. Visitation is 12 to 2. The funeral is at 2 at Macmillan. We have a card. Our church family, thank you all for the gifts and the prayers sent up when our grandson Barrett was born and during his stay in the NICU. He is home now and doing great, Kathy and Anthony Acock. And if you, as been mentioned, if you missed the breakfast this morning, the men's breakfast, it was very, very good. Uh, thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Jody. Uh, and like they said, uh, if you missed it, please be there the next time because they're going to do it again. They don't know that, but they're going to. <laughs> uh, and uh, Drew, uh, did you go to sleep? Well, I, I, I was watching everybody that was here this uh, morning eating breakfast, and I, I didn't see anybody go to sleep. Preacher, we enjoyed your lesson on sin. And uh, if y'all if if will stand, I'll close in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time we've had together to sing songs to you, to pray uh, avenue of prayer, to hear a lesson of, from thy word. Lord, our peace is in you. Help us to be Christians with peace and help us each day to be better. God and direct us in Christ's name. Amen.